brought my donut okay. blanket. I'm gonna leave this here to be my recording blanket. Okay. Don't fucking throw it away. I won't throw it away like your half-drank bottle of water you left here earlier this week. Listen, I was planning on drinking it. I didn't even bring a bottle of water from work, so I was like, it's okay, I got one in her fridge. It was half-drank. What am I supposed to think? Why would I put Are you ready to start an episode? I'm never ready to start an episode. <laughs> I just stare at you. <laughs> when are you gonna go? I'm gonna go right now. Welcome to I'm Sorry What the Podcast. Your neighbor's showering again, huh? <laughs> I was like, dude, it started right as you started talking. <laughs> it's like, is that your voice? Do you have an undertone? <laughs> it's the demon inside me coming out. <laughs> anyway, this is episode 54. I'm Christina. I'm Amanda. And, uh, hey guys. Hi. You know what I discovered? Hmm. I was gonna tell you this and I kept forgetting. Say the word the. The? Now say the word thesaurus. Thesaurus? Now say it together. The thesaurus? Oh, you don't have it. Tracy and I were both doing it. I can't say the thesaurus. <laughs> well, you also can't say lightning, so I'm not I know, surprised. <laughs> but I can't say the word the thesaurus. <laughs> comes out thesaurus like it's a like it's a dinosaur the the thesaurus i have to say the thesaurus (laughs) i can't just be like the thesaurus oh my gosh oh you crack yourself up i found that out at work my boss was like what's another word for this and i was like just use the thesaurus i was like and she looked at me and i was like thesaurus Thesaurus. <laughs> you have to like really think about it. The thesaurus. And she's like, what just happened? And I'm like, I think I had a stroke. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what just happened. Now I'm going to hear that for months on end, just like the word lightning. The Light- Oh yeah. Lightning. Yeah. Once this comes out, Melissa's going to give you crap about that too. The thesaurus. The- <laughs> it's like you have a list. I know, just but it's part. only with those two words. Because if I go the thesaurus i can say it just fine it's the double the in the beginning you gotta take a break the and then thesaurus. bring it back in the <laughs> the th- thesaurus oh my god you're so fucking embarrassing <laughs> Ew, what kind of a laugh was that i'm not sure i was doing it and while i was doing it i was going what is this sound I'm making? It was like it was like a really, really big seal's laugh. You know how seals are like, ur, ur, ur. it was like, okay, So that was my week in a nutshell. Because you realized you couldn't say the thesaurus. Well, I just worked, and that oh, was my oh. only exciting thing that happened. Cool. Oh, we get- well, hey, wait! It was my birthday. It was your birthday. Was I was mother- like, "Are you kidding me?" It was my motherfucking birthday on Tuesday. She's now thirty-one. Yeah, just like old ass balls, Amanda over here. I know, old, old ass, ass balls. balls. <laughs> <laughs> are those are those like the little dangle downs when poop gets stuck on the hairs? Old ass balls. <laughs> we are now old ass balls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was, but also, I like how we both stopped. I was like, "Wait, wait, we're not gonna just go past balls. this for a second. <laughs> Let me stop you right there." <laughs> um, no, but we had a good time. Went to karaoke. Yeah, I we got did. 
drunk off tequila. She did. It was a good time. The next day, it took me... I didn't leave your apartment until, like, almost 11.30. Um, yeah, I figured as much. You were not not drunk. Because then I woke (laughs) up at, like, when you left, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get up and go. And I, like, stood up, and I went, nope. No, I'm not. Is that when you texted (laughs) me and said, I got the spins, man? (laughs) And then I laid back down. I watched Criminal Minds for, like, three hours, like, just sitting, like, sprawled out on your couch, like... I gotta get up and go home. <laughs> my uh, my response is, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I bet I bet you are. <laughs> she she was. I mean, she was a good time. She wasn't like sloppy drunk, but definitely was feeling it. Yeah, like that last shot. I probably didn't need nor that last beer. I totally watched a little video clip of. It was like, uh, what's her name, Eliza. She's the Indian girl. I can't remember her name. Eliza something, but she, her and her friend had a video and they were talking about a night out on the club. Oh, yeah. And they're, she's like, first of all, there's going to be an issue with the list and you're going to have to pay the cover oh, even yeah, though yeah. you're like five minutes early, whatever. And then she goes, and then at some point you're going to get in there and you're going to be like, take shots before happy hour is over and you take shots and this conversation will happen. I think I'm like immune to alcohol. <laughs> like, I don't feel any of this. Me neither. Cheers. And down the last shot. And then it says like, 10 minutes later and you're like woo and they're dancing with their shoes in their hands and I was like that's about where we were at because you were like I don't feel anything I don't whatever and then like right before we left at like 11 o'clock I I could tell you were drunk it hit me and I was like Chris Chris was like kind of looking around I was like do we need to go home and Amanda's like yes pretty soon yeah Yep, that's it's almost, it's gonna it's, happen here. It's almost time for you to go home and go to bed. <laughs> We're just gonna go home. We're gonna get y'all set up on the couch. You can just take a little snooze. Just a little snooze. <laughs> I can tell you this much. Wasn't fun waking up in the morning the next day. No. Poor Chris had to leave at like I know, he did such a quarter good... to five. He he was a real trooper coming out for my birthday. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love you, Chris Chris Shab. Chris Shab. Chris. Chris. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we also got a negative review since the last time we recorded. I had thought about, I'm like, do I read this? No. Online? Do I talk shit? No, you're not worth my fucking time. Well, exactly. You, you must and- live a really sad fucking life to listen to half an episode and then talk shit in a review. Right. Suck my dick. That's, Melissa's just like, you really ruined their day. And she goes, and did they, she goes, my question is, have they, like, been listening since the beginning and got to it? And we're like, oh, no. Or did they just choose that episode no, they because just, they looked up the topic and they're yeah. like, uh. They just picked that episode. And, all right, I just have to make one point on this. that says I fucked up their names. I didn't fuck up their names. What I did in my notes was go back and forth between their first name and their last name. I said all the names correctly. It was just I kept interchanging their first names and their last names. So I'm assuming that's what confused them. I don't Either know. Either way. Go fuck yourself. And, well, and it's fine. Have your opinion. I just don't understand why someone is so angry about something that they feel the need to, like, You're that impassioned yeah. about podcasts that you need to put a... I don't understand the one-star review thing. Also, the, like, have some respect for them. I'm like, I don't think we talk shit about any victims ever. We don't. Like, so, yeah. It was yeah. shit like that. It was just was dumb. Like, Listen here, you bitch. <laughs> uh, it's that's fine. why we give you your email. If you have like a serious problem with something, and you want us to know, like if we've offended you, right. send us an email, and we'll take it seriously. But you one star review us with your anonymous ass, fuck you. Right. Well, and it's just like, 
It's fine. You obviously were having a bad day, so. Yeah. <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Yep. There you go. Let's be a Linda. Well, I can't. You can only control mm-hmm. how you react to people. Mm-hmm. Linda's a saint. Saint Linda, man. I can't with her. I love her to death, but she's just too good for this world. <laughs> she's too good for this world. I'm going to take her out. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> she's done. Finish her. Finish him. Okay. <clears throat> do you have a story? I do. Oh, <laughs> good, because why else are we here? <laughs> just to talk shit. <laughs> just talk shit, get hit. I was just going to say, and then get hit. <laughs> and then get hit. Oh, no. All right, I'm going to tell you about, you know what? And this is for my one-star review. I didn't look up how to pronounce this fucking name, so you can suck my dick on that, too. I'm going to tell you about Cosmo Donardo. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. It's D-I-N-A-R-D-O. Is he the villain in this story? Yes. Then fuck him. Yeah, fuck that. It don't matter. Well, but I talk about his family, too, so they're not the villains. Well, but they do get villainified. We'll, we'll talk about it. It's fine. Okay. So, the Donaro family, from the outside, kind of an all-American hometown family. Okay. Um, Tony and Sandra founded uh, their own concrete and construction business, and then Cosmo, their oldest son, was named after Tony's father. Um, and he was the oldest of four kids with um, a promising future. Like, his dad said he was going to be the mayor of this town. Like, his parents were, like, he was on the football team. He was an all-star athlete. Like, had a good upbringing. Mm-hmm. A pillar of the community, if you yeah. will. Oh, those never end well. <laughs> um, so, in 2005, the Donardos purchased their farm in New Hope. That uh, And it's New Hope? I want to say Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, purchased their farm in New Hope, Pennsylvania. It was about 20 miles north of their suburban home. So okay. they had a home in the city, and then they bought this kind of, like, country farm for them to go out on vacations. The kids like to dr- go out there and, like, drive four wheels. Right. Um, ATVs and, like, four-wheelers and stuff like that, and just kind of have, like, a vacation home outside the city. Okay. Must be nice. Right. Um, <laughs> this is just, like, our home we go to to just get away just to get away from our 20 miles away other house i mean whatever. whatever you got money do what you do you do you baby boo uh they all of the family members would go deer hunting they knew how to drive the trucks and backhoes due to the construction business uh sandra and tony both had commercial driver's license cosmo had a commercial driver's license he was learning the construction business mm-hmm. um and they all had permits to carry guns um, and knew how to shoot very well. Okay. So they built like eight homes in a suburban development in Ben Salem Township. So they built their house and then they built eight other homes and sold them. So they were a pretty prosperous family. Uh, they also built an additional 30 homes throughout the city and suburbs, uh, as well as a dialysis clinic and a short-term residential center for adolescents in Philadelphia. Okay. Cool. And... They also had a snow removal business, and the whole family would get out in the trucks when the blizzard would hit and do snow removal. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so they had, like, a... It was a... He... Cosmo had a good life. Right. Um, all, like, the community members, uh... Neighbor. That's the word I couldn't fucking think of. <laughs> Their neighbors! That was... That was tough. I mean... <laughs> I get it. Um, I'll describe them um, as being well-known for being honest, hardworking business people. 
And they describe Cosmo, uh, both parents describe Cosmo as a model son. He was a straight-A student, dependable, hardworking employee in all of the family's businesses. He graduated from Holy Ghost Prep and then won a scholarship to Arcadia University, and he wanted to become an orthodontist. Okay. Um, some people remember Cosmo as always having a bit of a temper and anger issues, but most families and fr- family and friends and neighbors who knew him described him as a polite and courteous young man who was always willing to help other people. Um, he was the kind of kid who would always say hello. He would grab your groceries out of your hand and walk you to your car. Just pillar of the community. Right. Little Boy Scout kind of guy. Yes. So in junior high, Cosmo was a fit captain of the Bucks County Bears football team. But his football career ended with several concussions and a neck injury. Oh. And then in January of 2015, while he was a senior at Holy Ghost Prep, he was appointed to serve on Ben Salem's anti-drug and alcohol task force. And then he was reappointed in 2016. He received an award from the township for his volunteer work in helping to rebuild the church. Hmm. But he began to have issues mid-2015-ish time. Okay. Uh, he broken up with his girlfriend. He was going to become a Navy SEAL, but that hadn't worked out, partially due to some of the injuries and things that he had already had. Okay. Um, and then into 2016, he was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And he didn't complete his second semester of his freshman year at Arcadia University. Oh. Then that spring... Uh, In May of 2016, he was involved in an ATV accident on this family farm. He was pinned under the vehicle for several hours and received additional concussions and head injuries. So he's had like seven or eight concussions now in his life and Mm -hmm. a broken like spinal injury kind of thing. Yikes. Okay. Um, He suffered compound leg fractures and wound up in a wheelchair with a cast that ran from his hip to his toes a month after his ATV accident, his he began acting very bizarrely. He stopped eating his mother's cooking, saying she was trying to poison him, and he became began to act very physically aggressive. So somebody got a good knock to the head a few times too many. Um, Cosmo's doctors prescribed him strong antidepressants, which eventually caused him to gain an alarming amount of weight. His mom said my, my son was fit, and then he started sprouting man boobs. And I was like... It's a weird quote, Ma. It's a weird quote to put in a magazine, but okay. Um, but he literally man boobs. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. That's what I was like. Okay. Uh, but his his what his mother really was getting to the point at is that he was five foot ten, 160 pound of muscle basically, mm-hmm. and then all of, with all the antidepressants he was on, it caused him to gain like a hundred pounds, like really fast, super quick. Oh, my gosh. Which also added to his depression. Well, right. Uh, in July of 2016, Sandra was driving Cosmo to Abington Memorial Hospital to get him voluntarily admitted to the hospital for okay. mental issues. He got They got into a fight over a cell phone. Cosmo bit Sandra's arm severely, gave her a black eye, then li- jumped out into traffic and attempted to jump into another woman's car. What the fuck? Claiming he was trying to escape a kidnapping. <laughs> He was apprehended, and then they brought him to the hospital basically in handcuffs and admitted him. The medical reports... Yikes. I'm just like... Just like, oh, we're just gonna wind right up to 100 here. Yeah. The medical reports of that incident read, like, in part, that he felt his mother was a Russian spy and that his cast was bugged. 
And then the doctor put impression, paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was the first of three times over a five-month period in 2016 that he would be institutionalized for mental illness. Uh, he moved in and out of mental health facilities, He would, and as he did that, he became increasingly more aggressive and more dangerous. So um, he stayed at Belmont Behavioral Hospital for three weeks, and during that time he threw a wheelchair at a female technician, struck a nurse several times, and had to be put in restraints multiple times. Jeez. Um, when he showed up at Holy Ghost Prep, his old high school, he just showed up randomly at the open house in October. He acted disorderly, that's all they would describe, and then was removed and banned from the campus. The following month, he was also banned from his college campus following verbal altercations there. Um, medical reports throughout this time described Cosmo's parents as extremely supportive, but their son's mental condition was rapidly deteriorating and they were overwhelmed, is right. what they described. He was on and off his meds and having hallucinations. He was hearing voices as well as suffering from delusions. And he was very angry with his father because his father was laying pipe all over town and not during his construction business. Oh. He, he was banging Slinging other, dick, huh? He was just slinging that dick all over town. Cool. Sounds and like a Cosmo fun guy. was aware of it. Um, in November of 2016, Christian Kohler, who was a Penn State psychiatrist, began treating Cosmo. Okay. Along with other doctors. So he was going, like, visiting his regular doctors and then going to see the psychiatrist. But he had other mental health doctors, too, that he was visiting. Okay. So he was... During his first visit, Kohler wrote that Cosmo hunted after his dad with an AR-15 but decided not to kill him in December. He then attacked his father inside the cab of a truck while Tony was driving, prompting him to be committed for the third and final time. Um, Friday night, he was angry at his dad for not coming home the night before. He ended up beating his dad up in the truck. He came after me, and this is what Sandra's statement was. He came after me, and my husband hit him in the head with a brick. Oh, so Another head injury. Uh, the cops were called because the neighbors saw us running. So. Oy vey. He was slept, hospitalized for another three weeks. And because he had a plan and intent to commit suicide. Um, as well as fleeting thoughts of homicide is what Kohler's records state in his notes. Um, he also threatened hospital staffers and was described as delusional, grandiose, grandiose mm -hmm. manic, and hyperverbal. Okay. So then Sandra authorized Kohler to monitor her son's time in the hospital and, like, oversee all of his medical care. While being evaluated there, he had told doctors that if he had a gun, gun he would kill them all. Oh. So, casual. Yes. So, Cosmo's mother was desperate to try and help her son. She had sought the form of, at or the help from at least ten different psychiatrists and psychologists at eight different hospitals and mental health clinics. She also looked to like spiritual means of healing her son so this is a little hokum hoke it's a bit of, it's it's a little bit hokum hokum <laughs> a little bit of hokum for me but local legend stated that the homes that they built in that i know you're gonna guess where this is going from were built on a native american burial ground oh huh. uh and sandra believed that it was true she said for years she could hear screams and voices in her basement her husband said that she thought his wife was delusional until he heard them too so, do they think that they followed them because they built the houses on these lands? Well, they built their house on the Oh, lands their too. house. I was thinking that they because built they eight, have... 
big homes, but they yeah. also built their house there too. Oh, okay. Um, so after Cosmo's ATV accident, she said that her son used to attend mass every morning at 6.30 a.m. at St. Charles Barimo Roman Catholic Church. Uh, he wore a cross around his neck, neck, always had his Bible, and he used to decorate his room with statues of saints and crucifixes and would fall asleep at night with his Bible on his chest trying to ward off evil. So is he possessed? So she thought that he may be possessed. Okay. Because he was becoming more, more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Cosmo had warned her that he was under spiritual attack and he was hearing voices telling him to do violent things. She asked uh, Father Charles Robert, uh, the parish priest, to perform a spiritual cleansing of her house to and to exercise any demons that might be lurking. And he did come to her house and uh, during the blessing... Sandra told him that he had an uneasy feeling as they came to Cosmo's room, and according to Sandra, he ran outside and vomited on the lawn. Oh, damn. But they, the, one of the articles I was reading, they attempted to interview him, but the priest stated that the Archdiocese of Philadelphia frowned upon publicly discussing such matters. So then they contacted the Archdiocese, and they said that Father Charles is not inclined to discuss the DiNardo family, nor will he provide any further comment. Oh, shit. So, so they just wouldn't comment on it. So what it sounds like, though, is that there's something to comment on, so they can't comment on it. I don't know. I mean, I'm Catholic, but those Catholic priests can be shady sometimes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. There has not been a single, single issue. Questionable thing Thousands done. of years of the Catholic faith that they have oh done anything God. questionable. Like the fucking crusades. <laughs> okay. Um, just, <clears throat> just the... There, just the tip, if you know what I mean. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. You know, not a funny joke. Nope, too much, too far, too far. Here, too far. <laughs> so <laughs> we're tic- sorry. <laughs> no, I think it was just right. Oi, <laughs> we're to Christmas of 2016. Okay, he was taking all kinds. Uh, Cosmo was taking all kinds of antipsychotic drugs to control his behavior. Uh, when he wasn't acting violent or bizarre, he would tremble and foam at the mouth. He was, that's how heavily medicated he was. Oh my gosh. Sandra described him saying that his eyes pierced right through her and she felt like there was no emotion and he would talk very vulgar to her mom. Okay. Colherd reported that the situation was dire. On December 19th, they indicated that Cosmo went off his meds. He was making vile sexual comments to his mother, telling stories about selling drugs, cutting someone's head off with a chainsaw and feeding it to an alligator. I don't know where you're going to find an alligator in Pennsylvania, but okay. But they got a zoo someplace. <laughs> uh, so that same day, Sandra actually drove Cosmo to Penn State. Okay, so that was actually a different psychiatrist that had seen him and was saying that. So then she drove him back to Penn State so that she could visit Colher. Right. Um, and during that visit, visit, Cosmo was acting up again. He punched his mother, kicked an elevator, and wouldn't stop cursing. After he hit on a female receptionist, he stuck out his tongue and ran it down the glass window between him and the woman. Oh my gosh, that gives me the creeps just thinking yes. about it. Okay. And Kohler's response was just to change the mix of medications he was taking. So Not then, hospitalize him at all? No. Okay. So then the next morning, after he had taken his new medications, he she said that he was peaceful. The next morning was Christmas. And he's, she said he was super peaceful. He actually came down the steps and just said, good morning, mama. How are you today? And that was like the last day of peace she had with him, which was Christmas. 
then he was back to being crazy. Like, not very far, not very, very long after that. Uh, just two days after Christmas, actually, he posted on his Facebook page, I am a savage with no explanation needed. On January 20th, 2017, the day before his 20th birthday, he wrote on Facebook, birthday sex, anyone? And then the following day, he posted, <laughs> who wants to go out with me tonight for my birthday? And then, who wants intercourse with me? <laughs> who want intercourse me? <laughs> anybody, you know, anybody intercourse me. You know, when you put it like that, sign me up. It's fucking peeing vagee right now. Where's the line? Boing! <laughs> so, uh, in February, a neighbor spotted Cosmo getting into his family's Cadillac with a shotgun and called the police. Okay. He was eventually pulled over and he was in possession of a Savage Arms 20-gauge shotgun, which was a felony under state law prohibiting anyone who had been involuntarily committed for a psychiatric mm -hmm. care for possessing firearm. Yep. Um, he was arraigned but never sent to jail. A they basically dismissed it due to issues with paperwork. Uh, later that month, he was involved in a fight at Temple University, which he was cut on the face with a bottle. And then, however, knowing all of this, on March 16th, uh, Kohler, his, Kohler, the psychiatrist at Penn mm -hmm. State, noted that Cosmo had been off his medications for two days and had worsened. But by late March, the doctor believed that Cosmo's bipolar disorder was in remission. I, it, wait. He, yeah. So he just decided that he was in remission. It's fine. It's been a couple months. As of April, he felt that Cosmo continued to make progress. He noted that his patient was taking his meds every day instead of every... Er, he noted his patient was taking his meds every other day instead of every day. So Colher reduced his meds. And then the following month, he wrote in a letter to Cosmo's mother that he responded well to treatment and his symptoms are currently in remission. Um, and be they noted that his mood had improved and so they reduced his meds again and concluded that his bipolar disorder was in full remission. Is that a thing? Bipolar disorder? Well, no, like going into remission. Is that a thing? Um, I don't know if it's... I think it is depending on which one you have and how heavily you have it, like the way it's treated. Okay. Because you can, it's no different than like, I think, I don't think it's any, because it's a mood disorder. Um, and I could be totally wrong on this, but I feel like if you can, like, severe depression, mm -hmm. you can be on the medication for a certain amount of time. And then as your mood improves, you can decrease your medication. Mm -hmm. I think the same is for bipolar, but you, bipolar, you have to be a lot. Care, more careful well, yeah, with how you adjust the medication because you go through manic... Because you can be yeah. bipolar and not be on medication if you can manage to control your manic and depressive states. Some people can't. Some people can Like, I had a friend in college that was schizophrenic mm -hmm. and she was on very low doses of medicine because she was able to see a delusion but understand that it was a delusion. Right. So, like, I'd be hanging out in her living room and she'd just all of a sudden be staring in the corner and I'd go, dude, what are you looking at? And she's like, there's stuff in that corner. It's not real, though. And just look away. Like, she... Her, right, like, she was aware of it. She was aware that she was having delusions and could process the fact that that's a delusion I can just right, ignore it. Right, that it's it. out of the ordinary that doesn't belong there. Right. So it's, I'm, it's in it, my head. It just depends on the... 
I think well, the level right. of treatment. I just you get. Ne- I've never heard of remission, remission being that the term word used. Being yeah. used. I don't know if it's the right word, but that's what the article said. Yeah. Okay. Um, just curious. Yeah. So, according to Cosmo's mother, Kohler advised her and her husband to give Cosmo more space that uh, and which Cosmo wanted. Um, he stated he wanted to start hanging out with kids and wanted to start having a life again. So, unfortunately, most, almost all of his friends had shunned him because he had been acting crazy for like a year and a half. How old is he now? 20. Okay. I was going to say, he's got to be like... Almost 21, yeah. An adult about... Mm-hmm. And then in a message, Sandra had at, reached out to Kohler again, asking what how she, what the best way to go about this, because her son on Facebook put, it's official, I have no friends. And she said the message just broke her heart, because she didn't know what to do when her son had gone from, like, popular and... Right. <clears throat> Total to, lifestyle change. change. Yeah. Um, so, Vanessa Armodi who was Tony's cousin, so the dad's cousin, Okay, um, reached out to them because she had a troubled son who basically had no friends either. So it was like his third cousin or whatever. And so she had reached out and said, hey, is, do you think it would be all right if we see if Sean and Cosmo want to hang out? And Okay, side note, you keep saying Cosmo and it makes me think of Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> And so then I'm just imagining this crazy-haired guy that, like, runs and is like, whoa! <laughs> but, so, total side note, every time you say it, I'm like, Cosmo Kramer. Anyway. So, Sean was from Northwest Philly and had lived with um, Vanessa's mother. And basically, they just kind of introduced Cosmo and them. They were kind of distant relatives anyway. They right. knew of each other. And so they started hanging out. Because um, they were the same age and... Um, Tony and Vanessa, which are his, his father, and the, Vanessa's his first cousin, so they knew of each other, they just hadn't seen each other in years. Right. Um, but sh- the problem was, Sean was very troubled as well. He was investigated multiple times in a murder attempt, or an attempted murder in Philadelphia. <laughs> a shooting Whoa. that had left another man in a wheelchair. Um, and... He was actually recovering right now from a drive-by attack believed to be retaliatory from that shooting and was shot 19 times. Jeez Louise. So So good company for your child who's having issues with mental health. Sandra claims she didn't know any of that. Okay. Vanessa had just reached out saying, Hey, you don't have friends. He doesn't have have friends. friends. Let's be friends. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. And she didn't know that Sean had been involuntarily committed by his mother for eight days the previous September for violent tendencies and threats. So now you got two violent, not mentally stable people. Young adults who are like, let's get together. Oy vey. Okay. Yes. So. Let's see. I am just like nervous Mm -hmm. for the next things. So then, uh, There were court documents that were later discovered after this all went down that in September of 2016, Sean had actually flashed a gun at his nine-year-old brother and threatened to blow his fucking brains out. He also threatened to kill his sister. And that's why, again, he was committed to the hospital. 
Choice friend. <laughs> so when Dang. Cosmo and Sean started hanging out together, their mothers hoped it w- they would keep each other out of trouble. Um, Sandra stated that she had texted te- Vanessa at one point saying, we just need to make sure they don't get in trouble together because Cosmo has no more sense of fear or what's right or wrong. Because of his bipolar and his schizophrenia right. and all this shit. So now we're into July of 2017. We've gone through the last two years and we're into July. Mm-hmm. Between July 5th and July 7th of 2017, four young men were reported missing in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. So, Jimmy Taro Patrick, 19, um, was of Newton Township, had been a classmate of Cosmo's at Holy Ghost Prep. Um, Cosmo was a year ahead of of him. Um, And the night Jimmy disappeared, he told his grandmother he was going out to get something to eat and wouldn't be long but at 2 a.m when he wasn't back yet his grandmother texted him jimmy where are you and they didn't find him he just went missing so then two nights later uh, and well you know what happened patrick actually had set up to meet denardo that night to buy four pounds of marijuana because oh. denardo was selling drugs good with sean Krantz, his cousin ish cousin guy relation so two nights later Cosmo picked up Sean again. Um, they purchased three five-gallon cans of gasoline at Home Depot and then 13 and a half gallons of gas at another place. This is going to end so well. Hey. <laughs> um, but they no, the people at the stores didn't question how much gas he was buying because he we used to pick up gas for all the ATVs. Right. They're just used to seeing him. Come in and purchase these. So no one questioned it. Um, then Cosmo and, Sha- and Sean picked up Dean um, Ficanario. East Coast names, man. They're all Italian. <laughs> um, supposedly to sell him a quarter pound of marijuana. They drove to Donardo's New Hope Farm. And then um, a friend of Dean's told police that Dean had tried to buy a Tech 9 from Cosmo. But when the gun misfired, Dean had backed out of that deal as well. Mm. Okay. So according to text messages found on his phone, Dean was another troubled man, young man. He His friends had told the cops that Dean had bought and sold drugs. He was also struggled with depression and had checked into a mental health facility as an inpatient. Oh my goodness. Just like, this is just a cocktail of yeah. questionable behavior waiting to explode into a giant issue. Right. So the same day, same day they picked up Dean... Um, Cosmo and Sean picked up Tom Mayo and his best friend Mark Sturgis and drove them back to the farm as well. Um, Tom had dropped out of East Stroudsburg University and was working a construction job and a part-time gig at the gas station when he met up with Conzo. So they actually, Mark and um, Tom worked for Tony's construction company. Okay. So that's kind of how they knew each other. Um, friends told police that Tom also served... so sold large quantities of marijuana and that he had gone to see Cosmo and that had brought along Mark that night. Okay. Um, the night the three boys went missing, Cosmo and Sean showed up at the Donato's house seemingly in good spirits. They told Sandra that he had been out quadding, riding ATVs. Cosmo went to his bedroom for the night. Sandra let Sean sleep in another room. And then, the, but the remains of Dean were found on July 12th, 2017 in a common grave on Solbury Township Farm, which was the Donardo's farm, along with Mark Sturgis and Thomas Mayhoe. Jimmy Patrick was not found. 
Okay, so Dean's body was the first to be identified. He was found with multiple gunshot wounds. Jeez. Uh, Mayo and Sturgis were both shot as they had exited their truck is what they had put together. And then when they ran out of in- inform- ammunition, Mayo was killed by being crushed to death. They just determined that that's how he died. Crushed to death, like, with, with a vehicle? We'll, t- I'll, we'll get there. Okay. Um, all of the bodies were found in a metal oil tank that had been converted to a pork roaster and then set on fire. The tank was then buried with the bodies inside of it. What the fuck? Let me tell you, when I found this story, I was like, I kind of like skimmed it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I like put a little tab on my page mm-hmm. and like moved on with my day. And then when I sat down to do my notes and I like got into this, I was like, this story's way more fucked up than I was. <laughs> <laughs> I got to the pork roaster and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they made it. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. So... <laughs> Um, when Sandra and Tony Donato repeatedly asked their son why police were searching their farm, he kept saying he had no idea. After the police arrested Cosmo, his parents at first refused to believe their son had killed any young men, but he finally came clean. And so during a lengthy videotape confession on July 8th, Donato told police that he had killed Jimmy Patrick, his first victim, in self-defense because he saw a Glock in Jimmy's backpack. I knew he was going to whack me, he said. I, so I whacked him first with the twenty two rifle and put two in the back of his head. So, the rifle police said was reported stolen a year or two earlier from North Carolina. When police interviewed Cosmo's parents, the DiNardo said they had no idea how either a shotgun, how either it or a shotgun found at the barn had ended up in Cosmo's hands. Because they had, after one of his first, like, I think after that shotgun incident where he was, like, driving in the Cadillac, Mm -hmm. they took all of the guns out of the house. Right. Except for his mom's, because his mom worked in, like, a shitty area sometimes at one of the help centers. So she had one gun that was stored in a lockbox in the house. Okay. All of the other guns have been taken out of the house, so they're not sure how he got those. Hmm. Um... Then Cosmo told police during the confession that Sean shot Dean in the back of the head several times with Sandra's uh, 357. After Dean was down, Cosmo finished the job by shooting him one or more times in the back of the head. He s- described it as his head was split the hell open and his brains were all over the barn. Yeah, you fucking think so? You shot him a bunch of times. Cosmo then shot Tom Mayo, his third victim, in the spine, paralyzing him. Mark Sturgis, the fourth and last victim, tried to run away, but Cosmo shot him too, and then they were out of ammo. Tom was still screaming, I can't feel my legs, so Cosmo told the cops he hopped in the backhoe and ran over Tom multiple times, crushing him. I'm so uncomfortable right now. Anyway. So, backhoe. uh, With a backhoe. That's what crushed him. Oi. Cosmo said that he then used the backhoe to pick up the bodies and dump them in the pig roaster. They then doused them with gasoline, lit them on fire. When the corpses were still smoldering, he then... Cosmo and Sean went out for cheese steaks at Steve's Prince of Steaks, but Cosmo said he had an upset stomach. He said, I just did something super gruesome and I didn't have an appetite. The other thing that was noted is between the first kill of Jimmy Patrick and the second three kills, he had gone to visit Colher. His mom had taken him for like a standard checkup and he said everything was fine and he was still in remission and yeah. Uh, 
During his confession, Cosmo, who was completely off his medication and totally manic, was alternatively giggling and making small talk with the cops and lawyers. He finally broke down and cried, I don't know why I did this shit, man. I threw my life away for nothing. My life is done for nothing. Um, <sighs> yeah, so when his confession was over, uh, he said at the end, I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy. This is why it's so fucked up. That's why it's fucked up? Uh, and Cosmo's defense attorney said that 90% of Cos is a fun, loving, good son, and you've got this dark side that fucking eats you up and it kills people. So. Wow. In May of 2018, he pleaded guilty to four counts of first-degree murder and related charges that included robbery, conspiracy, and abuse of a corpse. To escape the death penalty, he agreed to show police where he had buried Jimmy Patrick's body on the farm, which was a half mile from the common grave where he had buried the other three victims. The judge who sentenced Cosmo to four consecutive life terms noted that during his confession, Cosmo had shown that to him, human lives are disposable and that they have no value. Hmm. Um, the night Cosmo killed the three men, it is believed by prosecutors and the investigative team that he had actually intended to murder one more victim, his father. Oh. Uh, earlier that evening, Tony had pulled into the driveway at the farm according to the police records, and he quickly turned around and left when he saw Cosmo because he had another woman with him in the truck and didn't want Cosmo to catch him together. That police seems records, really cool. Police records show that Cosmo called his father three times on his cell phone that night and left a message saying, come home, come alone. Yes. So I can kill you. Um, so last May, after he went off his meds again in prison, um, Cosmo became manic and got into a fight with his prison roommate. He was placed in solitary confinement where he made the mistake of covering the only window with a towel. When he didn't respond to commands to take down the towel, they, they basically stormed the shell and beat the shit out of it. Whoa. He wound up in the prison hospital with a broken nose and injured jaw and a probable concussion. Well, I mean, when they come in, they don't know what they're going to be coming into, so they're ready to... Yeah. Lay you down on the ground, and if you don't do it right away, they're gonna put you on the ground then. Right. So then last November, um, Sean Krantz, Cosmo's accomplice, uh, went on trial, and uh, the courtroom was packed with reporters as well as family members of the four, four victims. Um, the jury found Kratz guilty of first-degree murder in the death of Dean and voluntary manslaughter in the deaths of Mayo and or Mark and Tom. A judge sentenced him to life in prison uh, for Dean's murder and an additional 18 to 36 years for the other two, uh, but they are currently in the appeals process. Okay. And the conclusion is everybody is suing everybody in this. Oh, so it's just so a the, clusterfuck of lawyers. Right. So the victim's family are suing Donardo's for wrongful deaths of their children because they are saying in their lawsuits that they have they enabled their son and allowed him to have access to weapons. Okay. Um, and basically gave him a playground of weapons to play with at the farm or whatever. I personally feel in reading through, like, the articles that I went through and everything that his parents are being vilified. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dad's kind of an asshole for slinging his dick everywhere. But other than that, his parents have did everything in their power right to try and make him better and his mom said he's she's like i don't even know how she's like now i do i know that he 
distracted me when we were in the house and Sean was in the house and I think Sean went and got the gun out of the lockbox, like stole the lockbox and mm. she didn't notice it was missing because that her weapon was used. Right. Um, because that was the only weapon that they knew of that they had in the house. And um, she's like, we took all the other weapons away. We were trying to get him help. So now the Donardos are suing Colher, the the right psychiatrist that took him off his medications right. and which seemed really shady. Like it just seemed like because there was one part of the story and I there was so much more like detailed detailed of his appointments and stuff like that mm-hmm. that were just we would have been here for hours if I had gone through them all. But right. one of the times that he had showed up, the time he licked the window, the psychiatrist came out of the office and said, "You need to leave. You can't be here." If you're going to act like that. And Sandra was like, I can't leave with him like this. Like, I'm here for your help. We need you. I can't right. just take him home with me. Like. The whole point of us being here is because he's And that was the, she, he just changed his medication and sent him home. So there's negligence and. Yeah. Things that they're suing the attorney for. And then the, the victim's families are suing the Donardos. And there's just a whole lot of lawsuits that are now right in the process of this like who's who's responsible yeah who's responsible and i i struggle with this because in the nature versus nurture debate of like a serial killer i feel like he was made not like the medication and the well right accidents like he wasn't born well, clearly something happened that sh- like shook something loose because he got all had all those injuries and then yeah, all the- of a sudden he started changing his complete. Right. So like the nature versus nurtures, are you born a serial killer or were you made a serial killer? Mm-hmm. In this instance, I feel, and that's why I feel like there's not a like definitive answer between those two. Like you're, you can be born, like you're just born a sociopath, mm-hmm. but then you can also be made into one because your brain is so fucked that I wonder if he had that thing that like Chris Benoit had and like some of the bike or the football players are having now. The traumatic brain brain injuries and TBIs that are causing people to go like yellow brained and crazy. Well it separates the two uh, um like the two sides of your brain which causes you not to things not connect correctly. Right. So that's why you have those like major Almost blackout spells where you don't necessarily, you're not yourself. Right. Well, and if he did all this in a manic state, like, sometimes in manic states, people don't know what they're doing. Oh, like, yeah. They don't. go black and not know what the fuck you're right. doing. Wake up the next day and be like, what the fuck? It's like two days later and I right. don't know what happened. And I mean, not that that's an excuse, but. It is a, it is a fact. It's a fact that, and he was, he had been off his meds and severely manic, like. Well, and all the changing of meds and changing of doses and stuff is not, if he was on, like, antipsychotics, mm-hmm. that is not good for your brain either. No. So, oi. I feel like it's just, it's, it's a tough thing. I think in this case, Yes, the doctor had a lot to do with it because the parents didn't know how to deal with it. That's why they came to all the different professionals, but there are a bunch of different professionals. So you would think that if they had a concern about it, they would go to somebody else and see what they thought, not just stick with the one, like if they felt like it was wrong. So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like with all of the issues that he had gone through, that committing him indefinitely would have been the like... 
responsible thing well, to do. Well, and even if it wasn't indefinitely, like, committing him for a good portion of time so they can actually get some sort of hold on what's going on with him. Right. That's like, well, I mean, they do the same thing for, like, severe addicts. You're just committed to a rehab facility indefinitely until they determine, you know, like, yeah. you can work a program, but you're there until we determine that you're not a danger to society. Right. And that was clearly, like, he was threatening, he had been threatening to kill people for right a year. So, I don't know. New. But it was interesting. It was kind an of interesting a descent case. into never, madness. I don't think I've ever heard of that case. Um, I was flipping through Snapchat and it was there was like a little expert excerpt in the Daily Mail like one that I'm like, "Huh, who the fuck's this guy?" And I like I was like, "All right, we're going to go well, with this guy." And that's I mean, that's how I have this that's how I found my case too as I like have this list of just random like articles I click on and they're like, oh, here's five different whatevers. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I put it on my list for another time. Yeah. But it's not what I want to do today. So I mo- move it over, move it over. That's what mine is. This is one of my ones on the list. I was like, I need to decide on one because I need to get the research done. And I pulled it up. And I'm like, oh, oh, dear God. Oh, hot well, damn. this is it. This We're is it. doing it. All right. I got to pee, man. Okay. Are you going to tell me a story now? Yeah. What's it about? An Italian man. Is he an Italian stallion? He actually was really hot, but he's a terrible human, so. Most of them are. Yeah, I'll have to show you a picture afterwards, because I was like, oh, well, hello. I have Backstreet Boys in my head now. <laughs> I'm just another player in, wait, is that sync? That's sync. <laughs> the fuck am I doing? Where am I? Who have I been? What? What? What is happening right now? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> in sync. All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to tell you about John Battaglia. Battaglia. It's spelled Bata- Battaglia, but it's Italian, so I'm assuming the G is like rolls into the L. So Battaglia. 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 Anyway, so John Battaglia was Italian and born into a military family in Alabama on August 2nd, 1955. Okay. Okay. So he moved around the country a lot with his family, and they did live in Germany for a bit when he was a child and his dad was still in the military. Then in 1970, his father left the military when John was about 15, and they settled in Dunmont, New Jersey, which is where Battaglia graduated high school. Okay. It's like a quick snippet of his early life is what I'm doing for this, because, oof, I don't care about him too much, so... He attended Fairleigh Dickinson University after high school, majoring in accounting, after attempting to get into the pre-med program, but not getting into it. And then he dropped out of university in 1976 because a friend said that he should. And after getting into some trouble with drugs, he joined the Marines. So he like wanted to straighten his life out and thought that was the best way to go about it. So he joined the Marines and stayed until he became about like sergeant level. And left to become an accountant again. So he did it just to, like, get away from everything so that he could straighten out his life. All right. So this is when he moved to Texas to be closer to his dad, who had moved there at some point, who was getting a bit older and he wanted to be by him. And he started taking night classes to become a certified public accountant. And he also modeled. Oh. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, son. Oh, shit. So he married a woman named Michelle Getty. And sorry, 
message. Get the fuck out of here. I'm trying to read right there. I just scrolled up. Uh, Michelle Getty, and they had a daughter named Christy. At some point, Getty... Christy! So at some point, Getty had filed a request for Batalia to be arrested for harassment. Oh. So it turns out that he had been physically abusive to Getty, and he once hit her outside of his daughter's school, and it sounds kind of like he actually kind of beat her, because it seemed to be his thing. Then another time, he had done it so... So much that it, like, fractured her nasal cavity. Um, yeah. So she, like, yeah. And after this arrest request, so she put out for this. She's like, okay, I'm done with it. Put out for him to be arrested. After this, he beat her at a bus stop in retaliation. So he found out about it and then basically went after her. Found her at a bus stop and beat her. After this, she had to be hospitalized. So he, like, beat her good. Mm -hmm. Like, hard. Poor thing. So in 1987, he was admitted, or he admitted to the misdemeanor charge and was sentenced to two years of probation after that. So he admitted, yes, I did that. The assault charge, whatever. And he was under probation for two years. He had met Mary Jean Pearl, who would become his second wife after this. She lived in Highland Park, Texas. They got married on April 6th of 1991, and they had two daughters, Mary Faith in 1992 and Liberty May in 1995. On January of 1999, Pearl separated from Batalia with complaints of verbal abuse and that, and he was legally not permitted to see her outside of, like, exchange of their daughters after that. Okay. Because he had, like, violent tendencies. I don't think she actually complained about physical abuse, but threats and stuff. So, towards her, not towards his his daughters. daughters? See, that's the thing. Is it, like, nothing was... Even she said, like, he never showed any sort of aggression or even angry words towards his daughters. So, she never thought that, you know, she wouldn't think that there was any issue with him seeing them. Mm -hmm. Christmas of 1999... He was on a visit with Faith and Liberty when he attacked Pearl. So when they were exchanging, he attacked Pearl. Uh, After this, he pleaded guilty to another misdemeanor level level assault charge. So he just couldn't control himself. Yeah, he like had these outbursts. Like he threw, it's, these adult tantrums drive me freaking crazy. Mantrums. Mantrums. Go on. (laughs) So again, he was only given two years of probation. Okay. Okay, so immediately after this, Pearl filed for divorce because at this point they were still separated and, like, not necessarily trying to work things out, but they were trying to figure out, like, how she wanted to go about things, you know? Right. And so she immediately filed for divorce after this, which was finalized in August of 2000. Okay. Okay. So even though he was on parole, or, well, on probation, he was not supposed to be in contact with Pearl because of this, because she's the one who he assaulted, Mm -hmm. he continued to harass her. He would call her, message her, email her. So she tried to get his probation revoked and sent him to prison because he obviously wasn't, because of the violent history. idea. Yeah, he obviously wasn't paying attention, like, listening to what he was supposed to be doing. So he was, she was afraid he was going to escalate. Mm -hmm. Along with her knowing that he was, 
smoking a lot of marijuana and doing Ill- illegal drugs, which is a violation of his probation Pearl. as well. Yeah. So Pearl said that he had never been violent towards, his, like I said, violent towards his daughter. In fact, he doted on them. Uh, so he was allowed periodic visits with them. Granted, it had to be in a public place. And he wasn't allowed to bring them to his house without having somebody there. Okay. okay. So Jacqueline Floyd uh, of the Dallas Morning News said he fooled people into believing that he was a devoted father. Mm. Foreboding. So this doesn't end well, then. Well, I mean, this is a true crime podcast. I'm not going to be like, and everybody lived happily ever after. It could have been I survived. You don't know. Could have been. You're right. Could have been. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Oh, I feel, I don't want to laugh. Um, I'll laugh. Okay, so ha, on... Ha, ha, ha. On May 2nd of 2001, so this is a year after they officially finalized their divorce. Okay. Pearl brought the girls to Batalia at a shopping center and left them there with their father for dinner and shopping. Okay, that was the plan. Left them there for a few hours and then was going to come get them again. Because, again, he's supposed to keep them in a, like, public space. It's visitations. But he's not supervised. Yeah, he's not necessarily supervised by a specific person, right? So, Batalia also had gotten information that she was appealing for his arrest because he hadn't been following his probation rules this same day that and obviously she didn't know that he found out about it Mm -hmm. instead of shopping and eating at the center like they had planned he took the girls to his apartment there he called pearl and had faith ask her mommy why do you want daddy to go to jail and then he shot his daughters (gasps) who were nine and six while they were on the phone with their mother. Oh my god. What? Yep. Turn. So just before the death of Faith. Her mom said that she yelled. No daddy please don't. Don't do it. Faith was shot three times. And Liberty was shot five times. <gasps> Can you he, imagine hearing those gunshots over um, the phone? Right. It's like I can't hang up to call the police. Because I need to know what's happening. But also I can't. I have to call the police. Like, someone needs to get there. Right. <clears throat> I just can't even put my... It oh, makes my God. chest tight. So, after this happened, he said to Pearl, Merry fucking Christmas. <gasps> assuming it's a flashback to the Christmas that he beat her <gasps> for a visitation. Remember? Oh, my God. And then, like, hung up. And so, she hung up and she called 911 After he had killed his daughters, he left a message on their little answering machine in their room. So I don't know if they had a separate one for, like, a separate phone line at mom's house Mm -hmm. or what. But they had their own answering machine. And this is the message that he left right after he killed them. Hi, girls. I just wanted to tell you how very, very brave you were. And I hope that you are resting in a better place now. I wish that you had nothing to do with your mother. She's evil and vicious and stupid. The end. Yeah. Dude, I'm on my pier. I must be getting my pier. Are you crying? I'm about to fucking cry. Well, it's fucking sad. I, like, cried reading this stuff. And I wish there was more information about things because everything that I, it was all the same information, but it's Mm -hmm. so sad. And, like, so anyway, after he did that, he left to go to a tattoo shop and tattooed two roses on his left bicep 
symbolizing his daughters. The ones you just fucking killed? Yeah. What a dick. I know. So shortly after he left the tattoo parlor, he was taken into custody and had a fist fight with one of the officers that was arresting him and left with a black eye because the officer him. kicked his ass. Um, authorities found 16 firearms in his house. 16? Yeah, it's a little excessive. I mean, maybe. And the main thought is that he killed his daughters just to get back at his ex-wife. Yeah. Obviously. Natalia's capital murder murder trial started on April 22nd of 2002 in Frank Crowley Courts Building in Dallas. Howard Blackman was the lead prosecutor and Paul Johnson and Paul Brockley. I was trying to figure out how to say it, but... Paul Broccoli. It's like that's it's B R A U bra, and then C H L E. Broccoli. Broccoli. Um, they were his defense. So two Pauls were his defense. So broccoli and carrots were his defense. Broccoli and Johnson. <laughs> so the jury was only deliberated for nineteen minutes and declared him guilty. Well. On the highest charge of capital murder that they could. Fuck yeah. The defense tried to argue that their client shouldn't get the death penalty because he had bipolar disorder. No, fry that motherfucker. Yeah. So whenever you you were telling your story, I was like, ooh, bipolar, Italian. We got some similarities happening. Uh, But on April 30th, that same jury voted to sentence him to death. He was then sent to the Polunsky unit near Livingston, Texas, to await his sentence. They didn't sentence him to death in Texas? They did. They. I just said they sentenced him to death. Oh, I thought it was life in prison. No. It was death. I just said death. <laughs> That's what he said. That. Oh, they didn't do that? It's like, wait, did I say something else? <laughs> I thought you said they sentenced him to life in prison. I don't know where my head was at, but... Um, after sentencing... There were victim impact statements, and Pearl had said to him that he can burn in hell, obviously. And, you are one of the most heinous murderers of modern times. I would like to say the next time that I see you is when they're putting the needle into your arm, but I'm not going to waste my time to be there. Oh, shit. Getty supported, or Getty, his ex-wife, other ex-wife, supported the execution, as did his daughter, Christy. Fuck yeah. Yeah. The death sentence gets an automatic appeal legally. So he, the appellate representation argued that his death sentence should be commuted to life without parole, but that came fruitlessly because they were like, oh, he has Bitch, a you disorder. in Texas. Right. And you killed two little girls. Yeah, <laughs> no. You ain't getting no commutation. Huh? <laughs> commutation? Commutation. <laughs> Uh, so his execution was set for March 30th of 2016, because I don't know why it takes forever, but they, it takes forever for death sentences. But there was a stay on it saying that his attorneys, attorneys didn't feel that he was mentally competent to be executed. So it was postponed. That, that's like the, st- the, the stay every attorney mm-hmm. and in the last they do effort. It. They do it as much as they can until it finally doesn't work anymore. Until finally the court's like, fuck you, mm-hmm. kill him. So his next date was set for December 7th of that year, 2016. But this once again got a stay and they gave him 60 days to basically prove that he was not mentally competent. Mm-hmm. But 
On September 20th of 2017, his mental illness argument was officially dismissed, with experts stating that he most likely was faking all of his major symptoms that he said he had. Oh, shit. Then, on October 31st, Halloween of 2017, his death warrant was signed, and his execution date was set for February 1st of 2018. The following appeals failed, and it looked like this was actually going to happen this time. Pearl did end up coming to the death chamber's viewing area, because, I mean, after that long battle, right? So she came to the viewing area, and upon seeing her, after he was asked if he had any last words, Batalia said, Well, hi, Mary Jean. Then turned to the warden and said, I'll see y'all later. Bye. Go ahead, please. So he like, hello, Mary Jean. And then just turned back and was like, okay, do it. That's fucking weird. I was able to get my last little word into her. What mm-hmm. a fuck. Pearl. That's then what I tur- would have been like this. <laughs> Pearl then turned away from the glass and said, I've seen enough of him. And didn't actually witness the full execution. After he said that, she's like, nope. I can't waste my waste my time or my brain for this. Mm-hmm. Apparently, in an interview right before he was put to death, he was still saying that he believes that he sent his girls to a better place and that he just didn't had he had no guilt about it. And I just don't understand. There's a book written about the case called No Daddy Don't: A Father's Murderous Act of Revenge, and it's by Irene Pence. I want to read it. It was published in 2003, so it was before the like all of the court hearings for the execution stuff. So mm-hmm. it's right after everything got finalized, and then you know the dates were set later. Yeah, Faith and Liberty's Place is a center for supervised visits that was operates in Dallas now for domestic abuse shelter families. Nice. So it's a it's by the same domestic abuse shelter that's called Family Place, but it's in honor of the girls, and it's for the kids to have domestic visits. So you that just there's got goosebumps. Yeah, so that there's people around and like you, you know, have security. to come. It's a it's a yeah supervised safe house visitation kind of. center. Yeah, visitation laws also were revised and look made to look at past offenses more seriously and consider before they consider even having any sort of. Visitation with children. Okay. Uh, the judge that dismissed his assault charges the year before the killings, because remember, he was just like, oh, well, we'll just like minor assault, whatever. Mm-hmm. So he actually had stepped down because she had been trying to get him arrested. And he's just like, oh, we'll just put him on probation again, even though he already had the past of beating his wife and mm-hmm. just terrible things. So this judge had stepped down and started running for the government, like local government, and Pearl campaigned like heavily against him, stating that his ruling kept Batalia out of prison and gave him the ability to kill her daughters, and he lost by a very large margin. Oh, good. And so, but, I mean, it's a terrible thing, but some good came out of it. But that's the story of the Batalia slash Pearl family. Mm. it's it's really rough but i think that it's i feel like that went so fast oh you did a good job yeah but yeah that's all that there was because everything that i it was tough because anything that i read that was like a personal thing about it it you could tell it was a very personal thing about it Mm -hmm. where they 
I don't want to say made things seem like more dr- dramatic than they were, but it was just it's focusing biased. on, yes, it was bias. So I had to like go on to Wikipedia and do that for the bones. And then I watched a few different like random slideshows on YouTube that talked about the murders. And that's why I was like, if I had that book and I had the time, I would have read that and gone for it that way. But it was interesting. I had never heard of it. It was one of those that I put on my list because I was like, oh, cool. And then I couldn't remember what it was. And so I put it in Google and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. This no, is sad. It was good. It's fucking, well, not good, but it was fucking sad. Yeah. I don't like it. Hate Ooh. every story you ever tell me. I know. I'm sorry. You're the worst. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you're showing me a picture? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll give him that. Not a bad looking feller, but okay, this is kind of sad, but it's a picture of him with his daughter is like Silver Fox Esh. Oh. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. It was it was interesting. Here he is old on death row. Good. Fuck you. Fuck you. He's dead now, so it's fine. Sometimes fucker. Fucker. Sometimes I wish there was old school justice still. Old school justice. Just take him out back and hang him up. Hang him out to dry. Let him suffer while he dies. Alright. Well, <laughs> on that note. On that controversial statement. <laughs> perfect. Just what we need. <laughs> Controversy. That's my favorite. Let's polarize our audience. <laughs> what do you guys believe? <laughs> Alright. So, that's all I got on that. It was a good story. Good job. Thanks. So, uh, coronavirus, huh? Well, see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dude, follow us on social media stuff. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) ISW the podcast on all those things. And then send us an email at iswthepodcast at gmail.com. Don't sound so enthused. No one does anyways. And then... um, Other than Krish... Chris, Christoph. Christoph. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for all of our things. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you guys want to hear? What do you want to do? Interact. Send us questions. We'll answer questions and be weird. Tell us. I'm an open book. Yeah, ask us questions and we'll be, we'll, we'll answer. Weird, we answer. We'll fucking open book it. Yeah, that's it. Spread Set the word. A, spread yourselves. Just wide open. Okay, that made, that made me uncomfortable. Spread yourself wide open. Like, spread eagle. Yeah. Fucking. Just all your orifices. <laughs> <laughs>